Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, another Penn State Blitz podcast. I'm Bob Flounders, joined in our new studio with Greg Pickle. We've got a lot to talk about on this podcast. We're going to get to the bottom of the Nate Bruce situation that kind of flared up over the weekend. He's a Penn State recruit. Uh, Speaking of recruiting, Greg and I are going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the 2021 class. We're going to touch on some recent news involving some prominent Penn State football alumni, Adam Brenneman, and perhaps the soon-to-be unemployed Matt McGloin. And then we're going to close, Greg, as always, with your favorite and mine, the Penn State Mailbag. Okay, Greg, there was kind of a weird little flare-up there, recruiting flare-up over the weekend Mm -hmm. with one of Penn State's 2021 targets, and I believe technically still a commit, Nate Bruce, the big offensive lineman from Harrisburg High School. I want to make sure I have this straight. You're the recruiting guy, but at one point he took to Twitter on Sunday, I believe it was either late Sunday morning, early Sunday afternoon. And he said he, he had decided after careful consultation, he was going to reopen his commitment. And, right. You know, that's up to him if he wants to do that. It's a little early in the process. It's not the first time it's happened. It won't be the last. But then a little bit later, it turned out apparently there was a clarification and he still is technically committed to James Franklin's program. Can you kind of walk all of us through kind of what happened in a short period of time. Yeah, I think what really it comes down to is that there were certainly probably other schools that were interested in Nate Bruce right. and wanted the chance to talk to him, maybe host him on a visit. I mean, if you look at this kid, and you can go look at the photos that we have on Penn Live when yeah. he was just in the, the office recently with Nolan Rucci, the five-star offensive lineman out of Warwick. And I mean, he's just a, a Nate Bruce is a physical specimen. I mean, right. he looks really good. He's almost in that Fatorma Malba mode where, mold where, you know, you look at these guys and you just think they're right out of a, you know, yeah. an offensive or defensive line yeah. magazine. So I think some other schools were probably showing Nate interest. I also think that this is that time of year where you look across the recruiting landscape, Bob, and a lot of guys who are uncommitted are taking visits. There's a lot of right. stuff on social media, et cetera. And that can be a hard thing to, not be a part of because you're committed somewhere. So sure. I just think it really came down to the fact that he was kind of thinking about some of that stuff a little bit, maybe didn't talk to Penn State about it, put out on Twitter that he was going to open things up. <laughs> and then, you know, but not too terribly long later, but then, you know, a handful of hours, yeah. puts another statement out there saying, you know, hey, look, I'm still committed to Penn State. I was listening to some outside stuff too much. I don't see this as a situation that will pop up again mm-hmm. or that we'll hear later on that he decided to decommit from Penn State again, something right. like that. I do think this was a one-off occurrence for a guy who has been as solid as they come commitment-wise since he picked Penn State back in, I believe it was October right. of last year. So Correct. it happens. It's recruiting, but uh, they were able to batten down the hatches pretty quickly and get him back in the class. You know, he wouldn't have been the first Harrisburg high product to consider reopening or decommitting. I don't know. You're the recruiting guy. A little pop quiz for you ahead of the mailbag. Can you name the other 
Harrisburg High School player who committed to Penn State, then said, mm, I'm going to look around, but ended up staying at Penn State. Yeah, I'm going to have to think about it. So if you won't mind talking for a little bit. Yeah, with Micah, it was obviously, I think, a bit of a different story. Right, I know. He had a ton of options and definitely committed to it. I'm not saying Nate Brute couldn't have those options if he wasn't committed to Penn State, but, yeah. you know, at this point, I don't know. We'll see. I, I just don't see this being something sure. that they have to worry about long term, as they obviously did with Micah. Okay, moving right along, more recruiting to talk about just the 2021 class in general, just three verbals, including. The brother of Sean Clifford. Yeah. Uh, they have a tight end, I think, from Florida as right. well to go with Mr. Bruce. Any news involving them or any news involving maybe some other players that Penn State is targeting made for that class? Yeah, you know, there's reports out there, of course, that Nick Elksness, the tight end from right. Jacksonville, visited Florida not too long ago. Again, I think no matter who you recruit from Florida, if yeah. they pick you long before signing day, they're probably going to show up at either Florida, yeah. Florida State, or Miami before long. It just It's tough when you're that far away from campus. And this goes for kids in the Midwest. This goes from kids you recruit in Texas, in the South. You know, when you can't make it to the school you're committed to, but there's options mm -hmm. right down the road to go check out, even if it's just a junior day, even if it's for a game. Sometimes these guys will go with their friends on visits that their high school friends with or teammates in seven on seven. So... You know, is there something to worry about there? We'll see. Obviously, he's a guy who has seen his rating increase since he picked Penn State. And I obviously, the Southern schools would love to mm -hmm. have him as a part of their class. So it'll be a fight. And then, you know, you look at the offer action over the weekend and even in the early part of this week. Uh, John Scott Jr. just spent most of Saturday offering every and any defensive lineman he had connections to right. from his time at South Carolina. I got, to, sense. I got to talk to a few of those guys and... You know, the key now will be it's great to get in front of them with the offer. So right. much in recruiting anymore, the verbal offer is merely just a way to try and get a kid to campus. It right. might as well be an invitation. And so the next step will be getting some of those guys to, to campus. And it's a mixture of uh, recognizable names, some guys with three- and four-star rankings, some guys who have not picked up a ranking just yet from the recruiting services. But he is clearly targeting some guys, so is Phil Troutwine. Uh, Taylor Stubblefield doing the same. So they're trying to get their ducks in a row ahead of that March opportunity to not just go see kids, but also bring guys to campus. And just real quick with Liam Clifford, in case there's some fans that are wondering, listed as an athlete, I think, in the recruiting process, I think he's a quarterback, at, and he, he plays at, obviously, where, where Sean Clifford played uh, in Ohio. How does Penn State view him, or is that still playing out, or do, do we know? No, he's a receiver all the way, and I look at him as a guy who – will also probably get some additional interest. Now, he had a lot of it because of what he's, not only what he's done, but yep. also, you know, the fact that people knew know who he is, know who his parents are, his coaches are, et cetera. So he had a, some opportunities to meet some people earlier in the recruiting process than some other guys do. But he had offers and interest. He picked Penn State, obviously. He likes what they are doing. Of course, he picked them when Ricky Ronnie was there, when mm -hmm. uh, Jared, Parker Jared Parker was there. Yeah. So... You know, but so far so good in terms of the the Kirk Sharaka Taylor Stubblefield situation. So we'll see. There's a lot of concern that we see pop up from the fan base in terms of well, well other schools are getting commitments at this point. Why isn't Penn State? I, I think I understand that, Bob. But at the same time, you look at Penn State's top once, and most of them run committed at this point. That's yeah. really all you can ask for. Top once. I like that. I like the use of that word. Halfway through 
this Penn State Blitz video. Greg, you got some responsibilities to our listeners about maybe subscribing, giving us six, seven-star ratings. That's so let's, right. Let's get to that. Yeah, so if you're watching, I guess we'll start with the YouTube videos this yeah. week, youtube.com slash State for all of our latest uh, Penn State football videos. And, of course, you're looking at our new studio over at our... I mean, right? So we basically moved from the distance between, what, the Beaver Stadium and the Bryce Jordan Center? <laughs> Is that about right? And we got all these new fancy equipment to yeah. go with it. So... I have a sunburn right now. Just yes. In case you guys are wondering, it's a little bright in here. Please, that's fine. please send sunblock to Bob. Yeah, I'm a ginger. Yes. Anyway, uh, all YouTube.com/slash All Penn State. Don't forget to leave uh, feedback mm-hmm. there for us. And then, if you're listening to the podcast, you can find it on Apple, Spotify, Google Play. Don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, leave feedback there as well, especially on Apple. We'd appreciate it. And uh, let's roll into third down. Yeah, and I think. Uh, Third and short or third and long? We'll see. We're going to talk about a couple of my my favorite alumni. Let's start. We need to start with Matt McGloin. Yeah. So Matt McGloin, I think think the fans know. I think you know, Greg. You know, when when he was at Penn State and he had that phenomenal 2012 year with Bill O'Brien. He also did some nice things before that. But... You know, during during his career, he was kind of a he was a, he was a cocky guy, and he wasn't afraid to speak his mind. I think the fan base really loved him for it, and I think to get along with Bill O'Brien, he probably had to have a little bit of a pushback. Well, right, he's with the the New York franchise of the XFL. Yep, had a nice first game a couple of weeks ago. Second game went horribly, horribly bad. I believe we're down thirteen nothing at halftime, and as part of the XFL's charm, they have some people interviewing players in the heat of the moment rather than giving him any time, in-game, rather than give him any time to cool off. Matt was asked about what he thought about the first-half performance, and he did not mince words. No, he basically, like, what was the word? He was the worst game plan he's ever been a part of, and they have to change the <laughs> change the game plan at halftime. And, you know, the head coach, Kevin McBride, was kind of like... <laughs> taken aback. Yeah, yeah, he didn't... Uh, uh, yeah, taking it back is a good way to play. And I mean, he got punched in the face by Buddy Ryan, so to get him taken aback, <laughs> yeah. is, it says a lot at this point in his life. Yeah, absolutely. So that was interesting. Um, then they benched him in the second half. Well, he I believe a, he came he out a with a pick six. six. Yeah, so not his greatest moment. We'll see how things play out heading into week three. But yeah, yeah that's just kind of who Matt is. He yeah. speaks his mind. It's what made him good refreshing. as a part of... Uh, it is refreshing. It's what made him good about as a part of uh, Penn State's radio broadcast. Sure. There's some good clips out there of him... Talking about John O'Neill and the referee and that's right. some the other Nebraska people. Game. So right, so um, you know that's just who he is, and it makes the XFL different from most other leagues, which is interesting too. I mean, I know moving forward, if the New York team's on, I think everyone Penn State fans probably need to watch because who knows what's going to happen. Right next with the, with young Matthew, let's talk about another Penn State alum, Adam Brenneman, yes. Penn State tight end, 2013-14-15, had some knee issues. Later went to briefly retired, unretired, went to UMass, became an All-American. Adam, it, it appears, is going to take a shot at the FBS coaching ranks, Arizona State, as an... There's so many weird terms anymore. He's not, he's not an assistant coach. Offensive analyst? Offensive graduate assistant, Offensive yes. graduate assistant analyst. We believe that is the case. We've heard from pretty strong sources. It's not a, quite official yet that it's going to happen, but, you know, Arizona State is coached by Herm Edwards. There's a lot to like about that campus and that environment. I think it's a win-win for Adam anyway. He wants to go about his business out there. It's awfully nice at this time of year and every part of the year at Arizona State. And Herm Edwards is an interesting guy. I think if Adam, you know, Greg, wants to make a real strong push maybe to get involved as a coach. I know he's had some other opportunities. 
How do you think this came about, and what do you think the future kind of holds for Adam? Yeah, I mean, obviously, he's sort of dabbled in all kinds of walks of life since he, he has. finished his All-American career at Massachusetts. He's been in politics. He's done videos a radio with show with you, videos with you, yes. And, you know, I think he probably went to the West Coast because he was a little bit intimidated by this new studio and all these lights and everything. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I think that, um, you know... He has the right personality. I mean, you know him better than I do, but he has the right personality, temperament for coaching, I think. I mean, it's not, you know, the life of a uh, graduate assistant is by no means uh, glamorous. Yeah, it is certainly a grind. But, I mean, the guy mm-hmm. went from, uh, you know, overcame multiple injuries and has mm-hmm. been willing to, you know, tackle any challenge put in front of him. So it this seems to me that if he thinks it's the right fit, obviously he does. We'll wait for the official announcement, of course. But mm-hmm. uh, it's it makes a lot of sense that you know you take the best opportunity for you. Yeah, I think there's some folks out there who think Arizona State is a program that has a chance to take a step forward this year, and uh, you never know. It only takes a couple of good years. So as we've seen with mm-hmm. not just Penn State hires, but you know nowadays people are more willing to hire younger guys who may have only had a year or two of experience uh-huh. in a GA role. And so you got to get your foot in the door somewhere, and this is it for him. We're going to wish Adam the best of luck. I'm going to assume that this is going to go through. I, I'm sure that he, he has the opportunity to, to really make some great strides and learn under Herm Edwards and his staff. And on a personal note, if he does have some success, if he wants to invite me out for some golf and some other activities, there's some, I believe there's some casinos and racetracks out there. Adam, you know, I'm, I'm only just a flight away, so good luck to you. Um, and, Greg, good luck to you with this Penn State mailbag. Do you like that segue? I did. Let's do it. All right. Looking at where things stand, Bob, we are about a month from spring practice. And yep. in our second video, we're going to get into some spring practice questions related Exciting. to the players. But you're taking a closer look at the coaching staff right now on yeah. Penn Live. And one of the things you talked about recently was the receivers, yeah. Taylor Stubblefield. And I'm just curious, now that you've had some time to dive into that group more closely, Who's maybe a guy that's a bit off the radar that you think could step up this year? Yeah, um, to me, I've I've said it before. I mean, I really think that uh, I think that Kirk's offense is going to look a little bit different than than Ricky's offense. I think it needs to look a little bit different. You and I watched. Uh, I got a good look at his offense when Minnesota played Penn State, and quarterback Tanner Morgan was eighteen for twenty in that game. The RPOs were just very hard for Penn State's defense to defend, but. The, the the thing that people talked about the most is the quarterback got the ball out so quick mm-hmm. that you know Etor Gross Matos shock they they just had no chance really to get to Tanner Morgan and he was very accurate with the football but as far as the wideouts go I just look at a guy you know like Jahan Dotson who really runs good routes he's got good hands yep. and not everyone on Penn State can really say that especially last year I think he is a guy that I think Kirk can really and Taylor can really do. Uh, wonders with. I think if people don't, I mean, everyone talked about, you know, KJ Hamler, Justin Shorter, Jahan Dotson averaged 18 yards a catch last year. You know, he was actually a very good mm-hmm. player down the field and, and able to run after the catch, which is important to Penn State. He's an obvious pick. I just have a very good feeling about John Dunmore. And I know I've said that before, but James talked about it at his press conference earlier this year. It was technically a signing day press conference, but was also talking about the new coaching hires. They have to get all of their receivers involved in the offense. The outside receiver, you know, to the field kind of disappeared a little bit the last couple of years. It was strictly a lot of the boundary stuff. And that's on Sean Clifford as well. But they need their big receivers to be more integrated in the offense. It can't just be about, can't just be about Pat Fryermuth and Jahan Dotson. 
I think Dunmore is a guy who can play outside. Daniel George certainly, certainly looks the part right. of an FBS receiver. But we've, we've talked about a lot of guys who have looked the part as yeah. Penn State receivers, all of them from New Jersey, and they have just not. It just has not come to fruition. Justin Shorter, Irv Charles, Saeed Blacknell, other than the Big Ten title game, Juwan Johnson even after 2017. These guys look like they should be stars. And for whatever reason, and maybe some coaching had something to do with that, Greg, yeah. they have to get more from some of their more talented, physically talented receivers. And I think that Taylor and Kirk have some very interesting players to work with, and I expect things to be a little bit different this year. True or false, the fact that Kirk Sharaka doesn't really have much in his background in terms of big numbers for the tight end is something to be concerned about or something that he just hasn't had before the way it'll happen in Pat Fryermuth? Well, I don't know that he's ever had a tight end with a skill set. Not many guys uh, have, uh, yeah. Pat <laughs> I mean, you know, I just think that, I think that Kirk talked about it. He said, he just, you, you give me good players, and and I can I can get the scheme going, and I can I'll, I will utilize those big players. I just think that at Minnesota, those outside receivers were so good, uh, Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson, and they had a really nice running back in Rodney Smith. They had a quarterback, and they had a big offensive line. I just think that if he had had a tight end like Pat Fryermuth, you would have seen him featured as well. I I don't think it's going to be a problem at all. If anything, I think you know having a guy like Pat Fryermuth to be able to help as a receiver and in the run game. I mean, he's going to take some pressure off those receivers. And if some of those receivers can step up, it's going to free up Fryermuth, I think, across the middle of the field. I just remember, you know, one of the things about Fryermuth is he's a really, he's becoming a, an all around receiver. You look at some of the catches he made last year, the, four, the short pass he took against, caught against Buffalo that was a little bit behind him. The catch and run touchdown was a big play in that game. He also caught a nice, a deep pass. I think from Sean Clifford in the in the Michigan game, I think that opened the scoring for Penn State. He can he can hurt he can hurt a defense in a lot of different ways. I'm pretty sure that you know he, he he's got 15 touchdowns in two years. It's probably ridiculous to expect him to continue to produce seven or eight touchdowns a year. But I'm sure Kirk's looking at him as one of the top red zone options in the country. All right, last question for you, Bob. Tuesday, the NCAA came out with a proposal that would allow for. Yeah. Players in now most sports, you can already do it, but men's and women's basketball, baseball, football, and there's one other one. You cannot one-time free transfer. Right. You don't have to sit out a year, et cetera. They're now proposing that along with some stipulations, one of them being that a school would have to sign off on your transfer. But are you for or against the idea of each guy getting uh, yeah. one free transfer without having to sit out a year, regardless of whether he's a graduate yeah, or not? I think, I think the Big Ten and the ACC are now like firmly by. It's too this, is the, this is the Jim Harbaugh proposal. This is yes. the Jim Harbaugh proposal. Hey, look, I, you watch what happened with Mel Tucker at Colorado and Michigan State, how, you know, literally right, right after signing day, he bolted for Michigan State. And, you know, what, what is, what's Colorado supposed to do? I think I, I am for that. I, I do think that a one-time transfer and being able to play immediately, I think, I think the way that the world is now, and I think that the way that there's so much coaching movement and assistant coaching movement, I, 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 think, I think the players are, should be allowed and should have the freedom to get a second chance if, if they think they, and they, a lot of times they deserve one and to have to sit out a year is a pretty, I think it's a pretty, it's a pretty stiff penalty. And I know that more and more players are, are fighting that even as we speak. But I do think, I think one exception, I think everyone gets a mulligan in life. I know on the golf course, we take a lot more mulligans. Right. But yeah, I have nothing wrong with, I have nothing wrong with a second chance. 
uh, and a fresh start for players who want one and, and, and they also have the freedom to play the next year. All right, we'll be right back. The Penn State Blitz podcast resumes after a lengthy break. It wasn't that lengthy. I'm Bob Flounders in the studio, the new studio with Greg Pickle. And we're going to close this out, Greg, with some spring questions for the Penn State program. Spring practice is not that far away. They're still doing winter conditioning, getting bigger, faster, and stronger. There's always questions. This is a talented team despite the losses. And let's just, let's, 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 let's throw some questions around here. Let's talk about maybe some wideouts. Let's talk about some intriguing uh, options at the offensive guard position. And we got to talk about true freshmen because we always talk about true freshmen because you just never know who's going to step up and be the star of the show or, or one of the stars of the show in the fall. Yeah, so we talked earlier a little bit about the group that Taylor Stubblefield inherits. Yeah. And if you missed that, it's earlier in this podcast, the Penn State Blitz, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your audio, like, rate, and subscribe. Also, the earlier video we did, which is at youtube.com slash State. But now the question I'll ask you is this. This will be your – how many spring practices have you covered now? Oh, my. Well – just ballpark it. Technically, I started in 2002, but after spring practice. So, like, I'm going to, I'm closing in on 20. It's okay. Like 19. So, over that many Ooh. spring practices, if someone comes up to you then in May and says, Bob, do the receivers look any better than they did before spring practice? <laughs> what can you look for to give a hint? Because we only, I mean, I we know. see more now than you saw before in the Paterno and O'Brien eras, but. You're still talking a couple practices a week, yeah. some interviews, and the blue white game. Yeah. I mean, I, I hate to say it because especially in the blue-white game, you know, some of the better players don't, they either don't play at all or they don't play very long. Mm -hmm. You know, I will say that since this is James Franklin's seventh year, and I would say he's been fairly candid and honest about players who have made strong moves during spring practices. You can go, you can look back to, you know, his first spring when he was, he was singing the praises of Sam Ficken and Sam Ficken up until the 2014 season, you know, had not been very consistent at Penn State. He had a very consistent final year. He made the big kick to start the year in Ireland. He was pretty clutch the whole rest of the way, including, uh, I believe, in the Pinstart Bowl. And then, you know, Kevin Givens. He talked about Kevin Givens as a breakout player. He turned out to be. So he's usually fairly candid and pretty honest, Greg. So he will be, because he brought up the wideouts and he was, I don't, he wasn't necessarily critical, but he was. This is what we need to do better. And he doesn't usually do that. He got right to the point. He's going to be asked about the wideouts at every opportunity. And I just think you have to pay attention to the guys he's mentioning other than Jahan Dotson because I think I think there are some young players, maybe some players who were redshirted last year, that can help them right away. And I do think that – I think this is a huge spring for Daniel George because they continue to bring in – talented players and you only get so many bites at the apple or so many chances to have bites at the apple uh this is going to be his third i think it's his third year in the program he looks he, he certainly looks great but he, he's got to be more consistent catching the football i just think that i'm going to let james franklin let me know and maybe kirk if, he, yeah. if we get a chance to talk to him usually they will kind of point us in the right direction yeah sean clifford has the kind of personality that he might be willing to mm -hmm. Like Trace McSorley, give you a couple ideas. So sure. Trace McSorley threw out Justin Shorter's name, so take yeah. it take it for what it's worth. All right, like that's his mulligan. Yeah, that's right. Uh, guards, looking at the guard pitcher, C.J. Thorpe, Mike Miranda back, yeah. are either challenged for a job or is it they're 
you know, they've pinned it into those two spots. Hey, they've, they've worked long and hard. They've developed very nicely. They're classmates. I can remember when Mike Miranda redshirted, or not, excuse me, didn't redshirt. He enrolled early, and I think they actually did redshirt him, excuse yep. me. But James was talking about him right away. He was, a, he was a physical player who wasn't afraid to mix it up with some of Penn State's veteran defensive linemen. And I, I think that the fact he can play guard or center makes him a very, very underrated performer yeah. on this team. If anything would happen to Michael Mennett, he's the guy. Um, they're both going to play. They're both going to play a lot. It'll be cu- I'll be curious to see who the third guard is. You know, Caden Wallace is a guy that I think Penn State recruited as a guard. It sounded like they, they, they liked him a little bit more at tackle. There's probably another, I think Salim Worley is maybe another guard prospect we can watch out for. But I'd be really surprised if those two, the way they played down the stretch, especially as blockers in the running game, don't play a ton of football for Penn State. And they're going to be a big part of what should be one of the best running running games in the country. Yeah, no doubt. I'm most interested in seeing come fall whether Phil Troutwine yeah. is interested at all in that whole rotation thing where let's play most of our guys, or you know, five of our guys most of the snaps, but let's bring a handful in here and there to, mm-hmm. to sub in. To me, I guess it worked okay for Penn State last season, but I'll be, just be very curious to see what his take is on that. Matt Limegrover was pretty clear about, well, if we have six guys that can play, we're going to play them. Uh, there's not a lot of teams that have that right. philosophy, so we'll see. All right, last one, and we'll get out of here. True freshman can make an impact. Looking at the January enrollees, yeah. um, one name that jumps out to me, Bob, Kaziah Holmes, the athlete running back out of Florida. <laughs> really think that he's a guy. Where's he going to play? Uh, I think they could use him in the return game. Okay. I think they could use him in the pass game. I know that, obviously, in a perfect world, you'd probably redshirt him, yep. but I think he's going to just be too talented, along with Keandre Lambert, to keep off the field, mm-hmm. the four-star receiver out of Virginia. So time will tell, but you're right. The, one of the problems that Penn State has, great especially problem with it, it's a great problem, but some of its best signees who enrolled earlier also had positions where you probably don't need them to see the field right away. Yeah, I'm curious about Theo Johnson. They got him late in the process. Every every He's a top athlete, and... Sometimes the top athletes at the tight end position take a little while to get going at Penn State. It was that way with Mike Kosicki. He was a little undersized. He was, he was, you know, Theo's height, but he was only about 225 pounds. It took Adam Brenneman a little while to get going, you know. So I'm curious about him. They're going to need a second tight end. And if it's not Zach Koontz or it's not Brenton Strange, you know, things, I, I'll just, you know, Fryermuth came out of nowhere in the fall of 2018, so why not? This guy, the other guy that I'm just curious about, he's not here now, but I just want to get a look. I just want to get a look at Curtis Jacobs. I know he probably needs to add a little bit of strength. I think he's 220, 225, mm-hmm. and they certainly have some big, fast, uh, athletic linebackers, even even though they lose two starters. They certainly have some linebackers that are going to really change some things, I think, around on, on the defensive side this year, Greg, because I think the speed they have at that position it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. It will be a shock if one of the five receiver signees doesn't crack the rotation to start the year. I mean, Parker Washington's not on campus yet. Right. Malik Mega, Jaden Dotton, and Keandre Lambert are. Uh, Norval Black comes from Lackawanna mm-hmm. this summer. To me, it, just looking at the way things are, unless there's a couple guys on the roster that take bigger steps forward than maybe we're expecting them to, mm-hmm. I would have to, I just have to think that the percentages say that when you bring five guys in. And you lost KJ Hamler, you lost Justin Shorter. You know, you have some guys that haven't maybe contributed as much as expected in the upperclassmen group. Seems like one of those guys maybe should step forward. Out of January, we're closing in on the end of February, even though there's another day in February this year. Right. Which I don't know how I feel about a leap year because I'm just trying to get into March. 
but we are getting very, very close to the start of Penn State spring practice. I know you can't wait, I can't wait, and I know the fan base can't wait. Thanks for joining us on this week's edition of the Penn State Blitz. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe. Leave your feedback. And remember, if you subscribe, you'll get the podcast a day early. Otherwise, it's on Penn Live every Thursday. We'll see you next week.